Hi, I'm Dee Wallace, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. This is a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That You know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry about <laughs> that. Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am one of your endearing hosts. I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by my best friends, Mad Chan, Professor Wagstaff. And we're here to bring you another installment of the Monster Mash. If my math is correct, this is our fifth Monster Mash. Professor, can you confirm or deny that? It's the 23rd. Where have oh, man, been? I gotta lay off the peyote. I, I think it is. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's right. We just aired the fourth. Okay, so there we go. So this is our fifth monster mash. Um, so, Mad Chan, we we set up um, kind of a rubric for this in the way it would go. Rubric, rubric. I'm sorry, I'm using five dollar rubric <laughs> of a punk. Let's talk about. Um, why we chose the movies that we chose. So, Matt okay. Chan, tell us about, you chose what? I chose The Blob 1988. 1988! You know why I chose The Blob 1988? Why did you? Because we have foregone Steve McQueen for one of the best actors of our, my, and our, and any generation, Kevin Dillon, and (laughs) Jeffrey DeMunn, who was also on The Walking Dead. He played uh, Herschel, one of those guys. Um, but anyway, no, I chose the Blob 1988. Um, it's a it's a good little it's a good little 1980s thriller. 88 it did come out in 88. Um, Joe Lynch credits this to the movie that made him want to be a filmmaker. And I have a picture of Joe Lynch sitting on my lap. So any film that's good enough for Joe Lynch is good enough for me. Heard that? Your plans, Professor. You picked a little film. Tell us what it was. It was from 1983. Michael Mann's The Keep. The Keep. And why did you choose that? Well, I chose it not based on any recommendations or people telling me it was bad or good. It just sounded interesting. It's one that I'd heard pop up in different places, and there were too many interesting aspects to it with, like, you know, who directed it, who was in it. Right. The soundtrack, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, It sounded like it was worth giving a a try. Michael Mann and, yeah, man, the cast was... Pretty good. Go ahead. Grizz. I went out on a limb here. Of course. Uncharacteristic for me. However, I noticed when I was watching these films that we all picked one-syllable movies. The Blob. The 
keep. And I picked the host. So all one syllable, the. So one syllable in Korean. So the host, a Korean film that I had seen when it came out. I saw it. Yes. When Mad Chan was working at Blockbuster, yes, and I used to go spend many hours at Blockbuster with him, and we would talk about movies, and we would watch anything that came out, much to our chagrin. It's chagrin. And uh, this film was one that stood out for me, so I chose this one. <laughs> so, Mad Chan, where should we begin? I think we're going to begin with the host. The host! Okay, we're let's... go with your pick. Let's start out with the host. Can you tell us the year it was made? Okay, the host, 2006. 2006. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be mean, and I know my name is Mad Chan. But please follow with me and forgive me. Director, Jun Ho Bong. Writer, Jun Ho Bong. Starring Kang Ho Song. He Bong Byung. Stick with it. <laughs> hey Il Park. And Scott Wilson. Oh, <laughs> and Scott Wilson. <laughs> that didn't no, go too bad. No, no, no. no. I tried. I really started tried. It's kind of really like tried. watching Dad get beat Right, up, right, but... right. Because it was Gangdu Park, He Bong Park, and Neam Park. And Dr. Moore. Great American Park. <laughs> no, but seriously, go ahead. This was your movie. You lead it off. You know what I liked about this movie was... Um, you must have been drunk when you watched it. No, no, how could I be? I mean, I, the first time I watched it was in subtitles. Drunk with enjoyment. This, th- this time I watched it with the overdubs. Uh, did you watch subtitles or overdubs? No, I watched overdubs. Whatever, started, whatever happened when I hit play. I watched subtitles. I switched it because I can't stand it. When movies are Dude, yeah. oh, man. So, the first time I watched it was subtitles. The first time I watched it was subtitles. And I have to say, I enjoyed the subtitles much better than the overdub. The overdub was so horrible. Yeah, I, And the, the characters were so over the top that I, it took me out of the movie at certain parts. Well, I didn't notice at first because of Scott Wilson. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But immediately I was like, oh, no, please don't tell me. This is the only option I have. Because Scott Wilson comes it. on and he's just like, dump the formaldehyde down the down the sewer and he's speaking English. Yep. So you don't really think anything and yeah. then all of a sudden out of nowhere it's overdub. Yep. So Yeah. So the overdub, uh watching it the second time around, the overdub was bad. Um but I still like the film and the film is a monster movie. It's 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 a true monster movie. It's um you know, this formaldehyde dumped into this river in Korea and it's a Korean film, by the way. Spoiler. And um, it spawns this monster, the host. Boom, Mad Chan, not impressed. Looking I'm just at laughing because you said spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> He's like spoiler. There's a big black monster in this movie. Know that it was Korean. <laughs> he said it's Korean. Spoiler. It's Korean. It's not Chinese. It's not Japanese. It's not Lebanese. It's Korean. For those of you who didn't know. Um, yeah, so Scott Wilson opens it. Love that, that screen. Does, why was Scott Wilson in this I movie? I was going to say, does anybody know how he ended up in that? Yeah, seriously, like, he was not needed, and it, he was there. I mean, it was fun to see him, but... Oh, yeah, awesome. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, they just maybe wanted to throw an American name to it yeah. to give it some credibility in America. Well, what a name, though. I mean, this is years before The Walking Dead. It, um, 2006, so we're right around Leslie Vernon. I mean, Wilson had been in and been out at this point, like... 
Why Scott Wilson, of all people? Yeah, because he Why was Why not, not Kevin Dillon? <laughs> <laughs> Scott Wilson, yeah, that's a good point, because Scott Wilson had a name for himself, but at this point, he wasn't the resurrected name of himself. Right, 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 exactly. And for anybody that does conventions, you know Scott Wilson, like we always... Is he Herschel? Which one is he on The Walking Dead? Herschel. He's Herschel. So, Scott Wilson's Herschel on The Walking Dead, and he was so much more way before Herschel ever popped his head out. Scott Wilson's an awesome actor, and we've talked about him several times on this show, and he just happened to pop up in The Host, which I thought was... I didn't catch the first time, because honestly, in 2006, I didn't realize who he was, Mm -hmm. honestly. I'm with you. I'm with you. Professor. Taking a big long drag. Oh, yeah. I know who Scott Wilson is. <laughs> I know my business. So. <clears throat> Are we just uh, throwing around thoughts here on the movie now? or You can do whatever you want. Well, let me, all right, let, me, let me throw out the synopsis. So okay, you please. Get, I didn't you have got, anything to add You to got Scott this Wilson. monster who uh, we're, we're led to assume was born out of the formaldehyde, dumped in the river because of Scott Wilson and his assistant. It's a little bit of a short story. Can we say that could have this whole movie could have been avoided had two fishermen had the I don't know the foresight to keep this monster under wraps because the two fishermen catch this mutated being in the very beginning and the one says to the other it's got three legs or three gills or whatever and he was just like oh look it's swimming away because he drops it, and it goes away. Right. Had this been an American movie, not a Korean movie, this would not never been a movie. Because it would have been two Americans fighting over who gets the rights, who's going to make more money off of it, who gets the name. The and one of them fishermen would have pulled out a gun and shot him. Right. Or he would have choked him out for the precious, you know what I'm saying? Precious. Like Lord of the Rings style. Yeah, but right. seriously, like, seriously, right. that's what leads to this, is two fishermen initially catch this thing and then let it go back in the river. Okay. Throwback Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so you got this creature. It grows to be big. And uh, so we get the side, you know, we get the storyline of this loser dad who sleeps all the time, who um, who has this daughter in school. But this loser dad works for his dad. They own a little snack stand, yada, yada, yada. Anyways. I like a yada, yada, yada. What are you yada, yada, yada the story. The, what, what about the stories? Yada yada. Oh, no, just I mean, we went out to dinner. Yada yada yada. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you had the beef bouillon. <laughs> so anyway, so I mean, there's just nothing spectacular happening. And you um, yada yada yada. Sex? Of course I did. The, <laughs> I mentioned the beef bouillon. No, no, no. We're not going there. Go um, so his daughter comes home from school, and they're going to watch um, her aunt, his sister. On TV, she's in uh, some sort of uh, archery uh, Olympics competition for the Olympics. Yeah, yes. absolutely, absolutely. To make it to the Olympics. Yeah, and then so we've got that, and we're having a good time, and then they go outside because he screwed up an order. Yep. No, what? How did he screw it up? He didn't. He, he ate one of the. He legs. ate one. Well, he ate the long ass squid leg, man. Which is supposed to be good luck. No, I got a question, real quick. Before we get dive any further into this, I have to ask the two of you. Was this movie fun satire, or was this movie serious and they, or and they played it comedy for the American audience? Yes. How was it? How did this movie come off to you? Fun. It, so this it was fun. It, okay. It was meant to be silly. Okay. It was silly. In my because opinion. because him 
tearing off the squid leg and biting it was the first in a long line of shit that he says, the way he acts, the way a lot of shit is handled in this movie. Yeah. And I had to I had to get an opinion on that. I think it was it was meant to be silly. It was meant to be silly. And we'll talk about more of that here in a second. Um so the dopey dad. Here. The dopey dad. The dopey dad. Uh when they go out, they, they see this thing hanging from this bridge, and they're like, what is that? Pretty what cool. is it is, it I mean, is, and I think sure as a monster movie, I think it's well done. Um, is it as good as, like, the new Godzilla movie? No, but... Better. Okay, I would go with you on that. Um, but it's just, the monster is well done. They see this thing hanging from this bridge, it drops in the water, and I love that all these Korean people are like, they're throwing food at it. They're like, oh, yeah, feed the thing. Feed oh, the yeah, thing. yeah, because the, the dopey dad throws it a beer, and it swallows the beer. Yep. Then it jumps out of the water. And, I mean, we have got some great kills, some fun kills going on here. This thing jumps out. It's smacking people with its tail. It's eating people. It's doing this or that. And I'm like, this is a good monster movie. This is what it's meant. Like, my note, literally, is the movie dives right in when the monster comes out of the water. Fifteen minutes into the movie, you see the monster, and you don't stop with the monster. Like, it's not your traditional... Hide the monster. Yeah, yeah, it's not your traditional traditional hide the monster until the third act reveal or the, you know, towards the end of the... You know what I'm saying, towards the end of the second act. No, like, in 15 minutes in, out of a two-hour movie, in in the very beginning of the first act, the monster comes out, and he's the star of the show. And it's B.A. The mm. monster was well done. No matter what else you say about the rest of this film, they spent the money on the CG for this monster. Professor? Yeah. Um, I liked how, when it first appears, it comes back around. Yes. Like how you see it coming from the side, down the sidewalk. You're like, oh, man, that's what we were wondering about. Because they kind of redirect it there when, from when you're looking at in the water when they're throwing all the stuff. Um, now, I will agree that the the CG was well done. Yes. And it's not the fault of the movie. It's just the fault of the time for me. I really don't enjoy CG as much from that little period. Like, it, it seemed like a small window of, like, I don't know, five or six years where it just it looks cartoony almost at times. Now, yeah, this but- is one of the better ones from that period. Like, I thought it looked cool. Because these was the years they gave us Gollum. Like, yeah, this is, was that's... the forefront of actual, you know, imaging in, C- in CG. And I agree that the monster was good looking, but he was, I also agree that he wasn't Gollum. He wasn't Yoda. He yeah. wasn't. I give you that. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about the early reveal, just based on how much I liked the mystery of it hanging off in the distance yeah, and going yeah. under the water. Now the way I mean the way they handled it was cool how it did swing back up on the side, but I think maybe you know it might have been better served to keep it a mystery just a little bit longer, especially considering how long the movie was. Yeah, yeah, you know, and for me, I like the early reveal personally, um, but. Well, and that's the thing, like, it took that mystery out of the movie. So it, it, it was like the focus was not waiting on us to see what the monster looked like, but rather what will our antagonist do? Or our protagonist. I screwed that up. It doesn't matter. 
The protagonist. The protagonist. The monster is the antagonist. Right, right, right. So we're waiting to see what our protagonist will be. And I guess that's that was my only complaint was that the movie still clocks in at two hours. Yeah, yeah. For an the, early reveal. The for, a, for for a foreign film, that's a long time. Yeah. For us to stick with it. Um, like the little girl gets swooped up in twenty some minutes, right? Yeah. She gets oh, yeah. swooped up in twenty yep. some minutes. Yep. I think within the first twenty two minutes actually she gets swooped up and, and carried yeah, away. Yeah, and then we go until literally an, an hour and fifty six minutes. And then we finally get her back. An hour and fifty three, fifty six minutes and we finally yeah. get her back. Yeah. Um Matt Jan, you had pointed out was it overacting for goofiness yeah, sake. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for me, that scene where they're at the relief center. The relief center where, she, where the sister first walks in, yes. and they all fall back on the floor in <laughs> agony. Like, that was just, to me, like, watching it as an American, that, if it was supposed to be funny for our sake, I was over it. Because they're trying to appeal to a mass audience here, and there's no way that culture was just like, oh, that's hilarious. Because you could tell with the, especially the American dubbing in this movie, if you watch it with the dubs on, it was fucking ridiculous. And I hate to be that way, but it really was because they played stereotypes up to the fullest in the way they talked as these people, which you know that they weren't really talking like that. And then the overacting alone, I was like, is this a comedy or is this a fucking horror movie? For me, that's why it worked. Okay. Because it was silly enough to be fun, but serious enough to be good. And so, for me, that overacting where they're all falling and flopping on the ground, that was for our entertainment. Okay. Personally. Professor? Um, I don't know. I, like, I definitely agree with what you guys are saying. I, I just, I felt like the movie had a lot of seriousness to it, and I don't... I just, I guess I just viewed it differently. Like, I hadn't thought about it that way, that some of that hamming it up was um, for a brand of humor, I guess. And now that you say that, I can see that. I, I took it as, because I even have a note on here about how I, I find it interesting about how foreign horror films always tend to make more of an emotional investment for exactly. the viewers um, to the characters. I mean, almost anything you watch, even something like this uh, with, you know, an epic monster movie, they're still making sure you care about the people. So, I don't know, I guess I can see that now that you guys are saying it, it's just from my viewing, I just kept thinking about, like, man, they're really, like, wanting to make you care about these characters from different angles, so I can see that now. It was, um, little things for me was, like, when they're in the, when they're quarantined, Mm -hmm. first of all he's like I may have touched it they're like who touched the monster who was in contact with the monster he's like I may have touched it it right. squirted in my mouth right like that was the beginning of <laughs> lots of shit to come dude you know what I'm saying um, and then he says he was like my back feels like there's something in it and nobody takes him seriously and nothing ever comes of this, but he feels like, I, I was like, because the host, you think the host. Right. So initially, he's like, my back feels like there's something in it. Yeah. I felt like something was implanted in this guy, like the blood did that. Like there was a new monster forming inside of him that we never get to see, and it, it never came to fruition that way. So, I mean, there were a lot of things in this film that I was hoping for as a, as a, 
as a fan, I was just like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, there's something in my back. Because every time somebody says that, oh, it's my neck, it's my back. Nobody my ever neck checks and my back. It. Nobody ever checks <laughs> it out. And then you see you see a cool little shot of something moving inside the body. So I, when he was like, oh, I feel something in my back, I was hoping that he was playing host to something. But it never came to fruition. I hear you. I hear you. Touche. Touche. Um, this is where I want to make a justification for the comedy of the film, where um, he finally gets a cell phone call from his daughter. Right. And he's in quarantine. And he's trying to explain it to the people. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And he goes, I am the monster. I ate her like this. And he puts the cell phone <laughs> in his mouth. And he goes, he didn't eat her. He spit her out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he spits the cell phone out. Spits the cell phone in the bi- the the bio waste basket. Right. To me, that's very much they're making fun of it. Like they are having a laugh. They're taking the piss out of it. They're having a, you know, it's a joke. Dude, whoever experience. did the cop in the ER's voice, <laughs> he it was over for me. For anybody who watches it in the with the the dubbed over, that guy just fucking ruined that whole fucking scene for me, man. And I had to watch it that way because. I have other things going on during the day. As you know, Matt Jan has several children. There's people running around my house. <laughs> and sometimes I have to look at somebody and smack them upside the head, and I can't read the subtitles. So, but so whoever did that voice just killed me, man. They killed that whole scene for me. Something that should have been very revealing ended up being something more of a comedy to me, man. And I put when he licked that guy's face. It was pretty cool. When the monster <laughs> licks yeah. that guy's face. Yeah. I thought that was neat. Um, I love how there's that point where they're hunting, and the brother, the alcoholic brother, is like, um, he's like, finally, I'm gonna I'm lead you to it, and he's like, are there any taxes on the reward money? <laughs> Again, like, that just leads to me that there is comedy to this. It was meant to be, in its original Korean understanding, it was supposed to be comical. Along with being a monster movie. Well, the one guy was like, listen to the fucking bitch. Listen to the mouth on her. As he said, calls her a fucking bitch. You yeah, know, like, right, there, there's right, obviously right. comedy aspects to it, but at what point, because of the dubbing and the ridiculous voices, at what point is it comedy for American audiences versus a serious movie for Korean audiences? And that's the fucked up thing. Like, I really wish we could have somebody that could chime in on the Korean aspect of it who just watches the movie because I'm sure... If you look, look in on Friday the 13th, the remake or something, like when Ty Van Winkle's got her in the bed, and he's just like, oh, you have great nipple placement, baby. You know, like, we kind of chuckle at that. You have stupendous boobs. Right, right, right. You know, like, there's there's comedy and horror, and we know what to, to what degree, but at what point are they in translation going, oh, this isn't funny at all. Yeah. So, it, like, there's scenes that happen in this movie that I'm just like, like when he gets the the lobotomy. Oh, it's a they, scene. Yeah, they drill a hole in his damn head, and he still comes out of it holding people hostage. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But didn't he offer, like, a, his belongings or something? He got, like, my, the, maybe his food business stand. Something like that. Yeah, he was, like, offering it. But they still fucking, they drill a hole in his head, bro. Yeah. Like, I put down here, one of my notes was, and I'm going to go back to a lighter note, is I want one of them big bowls of noodles. Yep. 
they're all sitting in the place and they all have the big bowl of noodles and they all have to sit there and wait and then you don't know what the fuck's going on and they show them like minutes later and they're all waiting and they're finally like, all right, let's dig it because the noodles have taken time to set. I really like, like that has to be a comedy thing. I really you know? like the scene in the storage container when you can see through the crack when it comes when they shoot at it and it comes charging at them. Right on. That was really cool. Yeah. I like the fact that the shotguns didn't do shit to the 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 host of being yeah but she got out there and tried to shoot it with arrows thinking she was gonna kill it yeah, there, were, awesome. there were some great scenes there at the end um you got the daughter no, we're not at the end we're we're halfway through at that point we're literally know. one hour in when the tv news report comes on from the americans when the tv news report comes on from the americans you're 58 minutes in out of an hour and 57 minute movie like where they talk about Agent Yellow, like the Americans creating right, Agent Yellow. Right. You're literally halfway in, and that's the point when they kind of lost me. Because I was like, what the heck's going on? And then I looked at my timer, and I was like, oh, man. Mad Jam was like, the Americans ain't figured this out. Not worth watching. <laughs> Not a true story. America. <laughs> my thing was, this. it was like, we have Agent Orange and all this, but they were like, the Americans invented Agent Yellow to kind of contradict this problem. It's like, Where's the problem? Because at that point, we go from this guy being locked up and, uh, you know, being a prisoner to his brother and sister out on the street to all these people that were rounded up out of their homes being back in their homes. Like, out of nowhere. We show up. The, get me? The point I was going to make, though, about the arrow, like, we don't get the true arrow scene till the end. Right. Uh, you, get the the I'm thinking. you get the Rambo scene. Yes. Yes, exactly. I like how you've had too much to drink and you're just bouncing around. No, no, no. You have too much to drink and you're bouncing around. You don't, don't put that voodoo on me, Ricky Bobby. You got the voodoo that you do so well. It's about how So we get we get to this ending and uh, but before that we get you know, this daughter she's trying to escape and she's trying to help that little boy escape. Like yeah. they're they're the only two hope. The little boy and was that a, scene where they um she she makes that rope out of the clothing. Dan, we're too far into this movie. Go ahead. See, she, she makes the rope out of the clothing and, and it's gonna be their escape. She used the PR twenty four as a yeah, fucking catch. Yeah, yeah. And she throws it up and it's gonna work and she goes to jump for it and all of a sudden the thing the host has her by the, the monster has her. It's a great scene. It's it is so a good, good. It's a great sell because you're like, She met oh, what happened? That's a great sell. It's well done. It's well done. So then we get to that closing scene. That closing scene where they're 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 trying to put the host to bed and you've got you've got dopey dad. You've got his brother, the alcoholic, and you've got the, his sister, the the Olympic uh, archer, and um, we haven't talked really about the the dad, dad, the, the the dad's dad, the grandpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he gets he gets smoked, he gets smoked. <laughs> I like that because the the host kind of doesn't kill people; he takes them back to his little place. And are they dead when they go down in this pit? The, the girl and the kid are they the only two that survived, or were the other people in a coma? Some are. I mean, see, I kind of wonder about that. He spits those bones out, but then he comes back and grabs them up and eats them, and then digests them, and then spits out the bones. Yeah, because when he first puts them down, they're like she's alive. Yeah, and then the other kid, the kid she's taking care of, is alive, mm -hmm. but his brother is dead or in a coma. Or yeah, he um. So I wonder what that's supposed to be. I don't know. You look tired. 
I think you're reading in too much to this. No, 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 because it's a major part of what's going on. It's her survival down there. Yeah. Like, nothing happens. Nobody else is down there. And every time somebody comes down there, she tries to use her cell phone to call out and try to get a signal. And she's hoping that somebody has a signal. And then finally, the two kids, we get introduced to 56 minutes into the movie. These two kids come in, and they rob the, the convenience store type place of, of food. And then the the host, the monster, gets them and dumps them down there. And she has food to live on. And that's the excuse she has this little boy who survives, which is another reason for her to survive is she has a companion. But then the other kid has the pack of food on his back, and that's what she uses to survive on. There's a whole lot in that, bro. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy the way that came to fruition. But, as you said, this is a dumb movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I like how I'm sitting here. Yeah, yeah, philosophical, love, 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 and you're yeah, like, this is a dumb movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your pick. You read so much into it, but you hate it. So uh, it's it's a great movie, <laughs> in my opinion. Especially when it comes down to the ending. You've got, uh, you know, Dopey Dad. Dopey Dad screwing up as usual. Screwing up as usual. The uncle, alcoholic uncle. Uncle, he's alcoholic. coming up with Molotov cocktails. Yep. As an alcoholic uncle would. And 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 he and he screws that up. And then the aunt. Auntie. Shoots the, the flaming archer, arrow. Right, the archer who screwed it up. Right. Shoots the flaming arrow. And the daughter. The daughter. Who gets kidnapped in the beginning. Who's our heroine, our, our side of hope. Who fucking dies. Because of the Agent Yellow. Yeah, that's a hard sell. That's, that's a that's, hard that's, fucking that's, sell. That is my only flaw with the movie. Is that, uh, spoiler alert, the daughter you've been working to save the whole film, she dies. Right, I've got two last final notes, and my two last final notes is one about the overall film and one about that. You can't just keep kids. You lost yours, so you you can't just keep another one. Because <laughs> right. he keeps the, he little boy, the little boy, he keeps him at the end, and he's feeding him and shit, and good. sitting there. Good. Yeah, you're right, right. So he's, he's like, you can't, shut off the TV. you can't just keep a kid. The kid's just like, let's shut off the TV and focus on eating noodles. You can't just keep a kid, dog. Chad's like, I wouldn't take that kid. I wouldn't take that kid. Don't I, tell I, me to turn the TV But anyway, my, my, my last note was that was dumb. That's my last note on the movie. What was dumb? The whole movie. <laughs> you, you, you just, Damn, I thought I was sitting with Leonard Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, please just elaborate. Go We've been fist fighting over this for three minutes. I think that none of us at this table know enough about Korean cinema to really get too worked up about you know, it. I will I, give you, you, I will give you that. Um, I'll give you that. I think that it was much more epic and well made than I expected. I, you know, I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know anything about the movie. Um, I think it's worth a watch. There's no reason why, if after hearing us talk about it or you know just in general you hear about it, you sound interested, check it out. I mean, it's not a, a horrible movie. Nah. I think it, it suffers a little bit in the the choices and storytelling. Um, but overall, I mean, it's I'm not. I don't regret watching it. Nah, I'm with you on that. So, yeah. Definitely a lot of merit in it. It's a great monster movie. So, after you, we, you've been defending this movie and we're like 30 minutes in. Well, we can talk about on mine. One right movie. Quick. So, go ahead. Grizz, final thoughts? I still like it. You I still, still like, like it. it. Second viewing, I still like it. I went from, the, uh, from watching uh, the subtitles to the overdub and I still like it. 
I think it still works. Uh, I think it's well made. I think the monster uh, looks good. Not great, but it looks good. Um, and I think it's it's done well. And I think it's very tongue-in-cheek. I think it's supposed to be comical. Um, I think uh, the Koreans hit a home run. Despite Kim Jong-il. <laughs> this is South Korea. This is South Korea. I know, I know. But, no, I upon first viewing, my initial thought on the film before we did this podcast seeing it in 2007 was it was all right and i give it the same review now it was all right i mean watch it if you if you got a monster if you want to watch a monster movie and you don't mind subtitles don't watch the fucking dubbed over because it takes you out of it mm -hmm. professor i think we've covered it yep all right so moving right along so the keep the keep um keep what is the keep? Let you guys do the description. I just want to apologize. <laughs> I know y'all. So are who angry. chose the keep? I did. Professor, Professor the keep. keep. Can we go into the keep real quick? We're going to talk about 1983. Director Michael Mann, writers F. Paul Wilson, and Michael Mann. We have Scott Glenn, Sir Ian McKellen, Alberta Watson. And Gabriel Bryan, you might remember from um, such movies as The Usual Suspects. And playing a Nazi officer at this point. And Toe Mater. That truck at the beginning looks like Toe Mater from Cars. <laughs> <laughs> and music by Tangerine Dream. Oh, you guys Tangerine. are crazy. Who did Legend, Firestarter, Risky Business, Near Dark. I'm the Firestarter. Wicked that one. That one, right? <laughs> so, Professor, this was your movie. Why don't you walk us through it? Uh, no. No, it's your movie. Walk us through it. I don't it. remember the specifics. On you like, made us This was your movie. Well, okay, hold on. Let me look it up and read the summary. I don't have the luxury. Um, who's who's the actor uh, who played the... Um, well, the... The, 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 the what? <laughs> Not the Nazi guy, but the... Um, they weren't Polish, what were they? Uh, it was Dr. Ian they're, McKellen. They're, no, no, no. They're, they're in uh, Romania. Um, the oh, guy, the bearded guy. The bearded guy. No, the clean-shaven guy who was from Beer Fest and Das Boot. He's famous for Das Boot. And he was in Beer Fest. The grandpa from Beer Fest. I actually didn't even write him down. Oh, well. I, I hate to say that, dude. I didn't even write him down. He's the guy with the beard in this. No, he doesn't have a beard. Ian McKellen has a beard. Ian McKellen doesn't have a beard in this. Oh, he's an old man. That's true. <laughs> did you, did you like, watch some Hobbit movies and then pop this <laughs> off? Hello! Like, you shall oh, not man. pass the keep, mother... Hello, <laughs> little Hobbit. <laughs> you are crazy, dude. I'm still waiting on, uh, I'm still waiting on, uh, okay, Professor to give it Nazis are sent to guard an old mysterious <laughs> fortress in a Romanian past. One of them mistakenly releases an unknown, unknown force trapped within the walls. A mysterious stranger senses this from his home in Greece and travels to the keep to vanquish the force. Thank you. As soldiers IMDb. are killed, a Jewish man and his daughter, who are both knowledgeable of the keep, are brought in to find out what is happening. All right, Professor, you picked this movie. Tell us why. I did it at the beginning of the show. I'm just kidding. 
Um, just <laughs> I like mainly that. Like, what, what, year, what year was this man? 83. 1983, um, bro. It's from the period of horror movies that are great. Yeah. Um, there was enough things about it from, from the director and the, and the cast that you mentioned at the beginning. Michael Mann, um, Scott Glenn, Ian McKellen. So it was just one of those things where it, it had gotten tied up in so many hiccups, and that was always what I heard about. Right. I, I didn't know anybody had watched it. So it's just one of those things where I'd heard about it and based on no recommendation from anybody. Just wanted to check it out. So okay, like, well, and I got to give you credit because you do pick a lot of these films. You pick yeah, these films for a monster right. mash, and um, I'm not mad at you for picking them because they right. are things that are like, you know, they're on the circuit for like the bootlegs, things you can't get a hold of, like things like that. And yeah, I, I, they're totally worth watching. See, it's like the professor picking this film is like me picking the gate. It's like, it's something that you've heard of or you've seen or might have seen or you wanted to see. And you're like, man, that sounds interesting. And so far, I've always gone with something that's been tried and true. But, like, he always picks that one movie that's out there, and that's kind of awesome. But the keep this time for me was... Thank you, um, No, no. But the keep this time for me Shit. was... Uh, so here, let's, let's boil it down to the simplest of terms. The Nazis in World War II have all but what they consider won the war. And this one particular troop comes into this small town and... In Romania. In Romania, where the keep is. And they come up to the people and they're like, Hey, what's going on? We want to see what the keep's all about. We hear all this... All this magnificent things about I like it. Your Jamaican accent. He's just like, hey, we've heard all this amazing stuff about the keep. What's the keep? And the guy explains it to him. The keep. He's like, we've watched over this for years and generations, and we are the guardians of what is held. We are the guardians of the keep. He's like, oh, so what do you do? And he's just like, nothing. He's like, we do what's to be done. He's like, who's the who is your boss? He's like, we have no boss. We do what is to be done. And that's the explanation you get. And as the movie rolls on, you understand that there are 128, I think he said, silver crosses that are used to hold this demon or the devil or the incarnate of the devil back right. through the keep. And as two soldiers decide that fortune and fame is what they seek more than the, you know, um, keeping the wishes of their master. They dig one of the crosses out and then dig another cross out, thus releasing the demon that is behind, that is held intact. And that is what the movie is about. They bring in Sir Ian McKellen. The Nazis during World War II bring in Sir Ian McKellen, who plays a Jewish man held in a concentration camp, because he understands and he's from this town and understands and knows what's going on in the keep. So it's, there's a lot to this movie, yeah. but not really. Like it, it sounds like a lot, but it's it's very simple. Go ahead. The actor I was trying to think of is Jurgen Prochnow, oh, yeah. and he was in Das Boot. He was always, it's what he got famous yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. And then later in one of my favorites. So what was best. Scott Glenn in? Scott Glenn? Yeah. Oh, I love Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn was in Silverado. Yeah, yeah, that's what he I'm saying. He was in Urban Cowboy. Right, right. Scott Glenn was in a bunch, too, and he so plays the... Good, uh, he was in a lot of good old boys. Scott Glenn plays the keeper of the keep. Yeah. In this movie, and... But 
Professor, go ahead. What were your findings? Well, but, you no, he comes this? in later. Like he finds yeah, yeah, out yeah, yeah. He, he does it. Being like he, he has his eyes. His eyes start to glow. The shit comes down. Somebody's opened up the fucking passage. Right, as though so, he's he's some sort of divine interviewer. Which, which he is. And, Professor, what did you find out? You picked this movie, so what, upon watching it, was your idea? Um, interesting. I, I, I thought it was interesting. Supposedly this is half the movie, that it was cut up so bad by the studio, which is why it kind of doesn't make sense at times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can see that. You can right, see that. yeah. I, I do think, especially for anyone that is in, uh, you know, more the art side of film, fourth a watch. I think it's. Oh, are you saying we're not? No, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying you. I don't even know what you guys think of it yet, but uh, it, it seems surreal at times and hypnotic. It's interesting the way it's shot with the music, um, but I think ultimately it was too ambitious and yeah. kind of whiffed. Yeah, and, and I if give nothing you that. else, because you know, maybe maybe if the original cut had been allowed to just exist, it probably still would have tanked in the you know the theaters. But we may feel differently about what we can watch now. But what I saw was kind of just you know, disjointed, and right. confusing at times. But there, I mean, there were some cool things. I don't know. So my, there are definitely some cool. Yeah. My initial, my initial. Quotes, because I the way I watch movies, and I'm sure you folks have caught on to this, and you roll with this. But uh, I kind of go as the movie rolls along, and my first note on this movie is there's a, there's a lots of slow mo running for no reason. The Germans get into the the keep, and then they do a lot of slow mo running, and lots, there's a lot of lots of what I would call epic. Shots. Right, right, right. There's there's the Batman Forever shots. Yes. Is what I call them. Because yes. yeah. there's actually a backlit shot where the German officer keeps running. He runs out, you know, kind of like Batman Forever, where Batman runs, Clooney runs, joined by Robin, joined by Batgirl. You know, then that's what I called it, and I kind of chuckled at the side of it because that's what it was. But there's lots of slow mo running, man. And um, I put, when somebody tells you not to remove something, there's a reason for it. Like, every time in these movies, somebody's just like, hey, 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 don't touch the silver fucking crosses, man. Don't move those. At all. I don't care what you do while you're here in the keep. Don't remove the silver crosses. And some assholes is like, hey, what's behind this cross? Like, that's, and that's the way it always boils down to, and it's, you can call it the, uh, the, the neediness, the want, you know, man, man going, I have to have this, you know, like. I have to have this power. I have to have this silver. Yep. You know, these great riches is what they were searching for. Yep. But literally, it's just like, hey, man, don't remove the fucking crosses. And the first thing a guy does when he's all alone on his first watch by himself is remove the fucking cross. You're like, hey, man, don't do that, man. You don't want to do that. There's a beverage here. Hey, man, there's a beverage here. Um... I don't have a whole lot more notes about this film. Um, wow, and we're whole, just in the beginning. <laughs> there honestly, I don't have a lot either. I mean, there's just, it's, I don't know. It, there's just not a whole lot of straightforward things going on mm -hmm. to even talk about. It's, the, uh, it feels like it's just moods and motions. Yeah, the uh, the village reminds me, and the language reminds me of uh, Gogol Bardello, one of my favorite bands, because <laughs> they are uh, Gypsy, Ro Romany, as they call it. Um, Scott Glenn as this divine intervener or interventionist. I don't know what the proper 
Um, when he is wounded, there's this neat scene where he has green blood. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. So um, no, that's that's all we got, Professor. I, I mean, you got this thing. I wondered, I wondered at one point if it was like the legend of the golem, mm-hmm. which is uh, in Jewish folklore. Um, yeah, this the, this notion of a uh, this big clay stone giant to protect the village. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I wondered at one point if it was the golem. It was not. Yeah. But it had that feel. Yeah. You know what? That movie it also kind of reminded me of in a way was Prince of Darkness. With the yep. the swelling just gloom around mm-hmm. this group of people and wondering what what is going on here that is bigger than them. Would you say that? Could you see that at all? With the Prince of Darkness, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, kind of kind of feels like that at times. Right, because you go into it and you you're not really sure what's going on, and before like they bring in Sir Ian McKellen, you really have no clue what's going on, and then they're like, oh well, this guy can read this for you, and then they bring him in. And his daughter. And they come into this whole place, and you're just like, oh. Because he walks in, and he tells them right right off the bat, this is what this means. Yeah. He's from that town. He's in a concentration camp. He knows right what that means. And you're like, oh, shit. This is kind of where this is going. And then a few moments later, we get introduced to the big, glowing-eyed monster. Um, and the big, glowing-eyed monster for me is, and I'm not sure I'm being an asshole, but the big glowing hide monster for me was like, alright, because he has two different forms that we see. I was like, alright, I've lost it. Not lost interest, but I was like, okay, I see where this film is going. Because Ian McKellen was amazing in this movie for me, up to a point. Because he was playing, the the thing I joke about in this, is this was 1983, was it? This 1983 and you see Ian McKellen as an old man. Like, and he's playing older than what he plays now. Right. They as Gandalf make it, yeah. or as whatever you've seen him in. He plays, in Magneto, he plays older than he plays now. So, you see him in this wheelchair playing this old man. And then this glowing eye being comes out and cures his hands and gives him back his youth. And I'm just like, oh. Okay, and I because I already bought him as an old man because I I've seen him as an old man ten, fifteen, thirty fucking times, so it was kind of different for me knowing who he is now, trying to go back and watch this movie where he has a daughter who's a grown up and he's this white haired old fragile man. So I mean, there was a lot of things about this movie that started like test of timing. Um, I've just got a few things to go share ahead. on it, then I'm good. Yeah, um, please. One, do. if you do seek this out. Uh, at a convention or of other means, be sure to watch it with the original soundtrack. I, I I just can't imagine this improving any without that music in it. I thought the music is one of the stronger things yeah, about the I agree. I agree. Uh, so kind of pay note to that if you do seek it out. Also, uh, when he's screaming, take it, at the end, I kept thinking of you shall not pass. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Take it, take it. Take and it. lastly, I in my notes here, I wrote this down, and it was because of the hypnotic nature of the film. I put, will this film linger with me for any period of time? Like, you know, I kind of wondered how if it would be one of those movies where two days from now I'd still kind of have that odd feeling from it, and uh, it didn't. So it did not. That is all I have. Yeah, like I will not go digging around in Eastern watch it, European uh, keeps. Yeah. yeah, worth the watch though. Yeah. Chance, chance, any uh, final thoughts? Man, like, there was a whole lot in this movie. Like, the 
the idea that Scott Glenn's character has sex with the woman. I know that was so weird. That was right, so right. weird. It was so it was out of just place. so weird. It was like I was watching that. an episode of Supernatural. It was just but then when uh, when Ian McKellen, you know, like there's this whole part of this movie where the demon thing, the the, the thing is like, go outside, take it outside, take the talisman outside, so yeah. I can be right. and. This thing is, is like Scott Glenn's character is like, nah, don't do that. That's messed up. So he's like traveling, and then they go into the second realm or whatever the realm you want to call it is, and they're battling. And Ian McKellen's not taking the talisman outside, or he's pretending to. Then Scott Glenn officially gets the talisman and starts killing the evil. You know, I mean, it's just there was at that point I was just like. Okay. Like, you know, because at any time, according to what they were doing, Ian McKellen could have just been like, fuck you, which he eventually does. But Ian McKellen could have just been like, fuck you, I'm not doing this. And the evil would have had no footing, would have had no hold. Right. But yet they give him the hold. And, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at because he kind of he shines a purple light in through him. Mm-hmm. It ends up going away, and then even Scott Glenn's character ends up going away, even after he's had sex with the Ian McKellen's daughter. It's right. just weird. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, that's the whole thing. But like the whole Nazi aspect of, I don't know, dude. Like this movie was that one movie for me that was just like, oh, okay. And I didn't take a whole lot of notes on it because I spent most of my time watching the movie, going, what's exactly going on right now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of where I am with it, Grizz. Yeah, that's all I've got to say. I mean, it's just... Uh, they were enjoyable parts, but for the most part, not as much. I feel like it just felt flat. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a lot. There was a lot they were trying to achieve. I mean, you had, uh, you had some solid people in this movie. You had uh, David Byrne. Or wait, no, Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne, not David Byrne. Not the Stalking Heads. <laughs> you, had, you had Gabriel Byrne. And uh, Scott Glenn and Ian McKellen. I mean, you just you had you had people, and um, yeah, they were just like, eh, we're just gonna do whatever we want with this. So I'm not mad. An interesting watch for hardcore no, film. Fans. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad. Oh about no, it. no, not at all. I'm not mad I watched it. But it was one of those like I would have never sought it out on my own. So I'm glad you brought it to the table. But again, I've seen it. So I think the general consensus review is. Not bad, and never gonna watch it again. Basically, exactly. yeah, I'll give you that. I'll exactly. give you that. So, man, that leads us to your film. I don't know what I chose. No, I'm just fucking with y'all. I chose the best movie out of the out of the episode this week, and I say that with confidence. You know why? Because Kevin Dillon was in it. It was amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, 1988, Chuck Russell, Theodore Simonson wrote. The Blob, the remake of The Blob, the 1988 version, starring Shawnee Smith, Kevin Dillon, Jeffrey DeMunn, which y'all might know, not as Herschel, but what's his name on The Walking Dead? Jeffrey DeMunn. The guy, the guy who owns the, the, the RV as the women. Oh, um, come back to me. Yeah, anyway, he's from The Walking Dead, you know what I'm saying? And uh, not only that, man, we got uh, Joe Sinska. Sinisca? And, you know, the, he plays the Dr. Meadows. And we got Bill Mosley popping in as the soldier, man. 1988, The Blob. 
thoughts, Professor? Just in general? Yeah. Uh, the special effects were awesome. I found Yes! This movie had it. Grizz. I loved it. I loved it. I like the yes! special effects. I like uh, yeah, just everything about the movie felt right. I I remember watching it mm, twenty five years ago. You know what year was it made? Eighty eight. Okay, maybe not twenty five. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, twenty five. That works. That works. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty, like, I remember yeah. watching twenty five years, twenty seven yeah. years. Yeah, ago. That was twenty six. So ago. yeah, I remember watching this twenty five years ago and enjoying it as a, as a, a small boy. Uh, so yeah, a lot of it still works. Uh, the the gags, the the effects, um, it works. It works. It holds up. I think so. Dude, you've got Kevin Dillon in this movie. Yeah. Like every time I see Kevin Dillon, I think Johnny Drama. I'm sorry, I'm an Entourage fan. I I call him Johnny Drama, and and I know his name's Kevin Dillon. Like especially from being who we are, going to conventions, you know people's real names versus who they are. And character wise, I still call Kevin Dillon Johnny Drama, man. And in this movie, when drama. when drama, when Kevin Dillon was the motorcycle hood with the heart of gold, I'd seen this movie before. It didn't register with me. It really didn't. I saw yeah. Entourage, watched all the seasons of Entourage, and it was like, oh, Kevin Dillon. And then watched this movie again later, and I called him Drama. And then we were talking about. What are we going to do for Monster Mash? And I was like, man, I want to do Blob 88. I still call him Johnny Drama, dude. I love that. Um, I love the sheriff trying to get him some in this movie, man. Yeah. Jeffrey DeMunn trying to get him some from the waitress at the diner. That, that That's a cool thing to me. The whole town's a football town. It's like a Texas town. It makes sense, man. If you guys aren't from a football town, it, they, they are the real. You know, like everybody, the town shuts down. While the football game is going on, that is a real scenario, man, and it happens just like that. So that that was kind of a neat touch for me, man. And why does the bad boy always work part time in a garage somewhere? Oh yeah, like seriously, why does the bad boy always work part time? That's in the all garage? he can do. That's all he can do. He's like, he's not, like he's oh, it's the kid that takes shot, man. Yeah. You know, this kid works part time in the garage somewhere, yeah. man. His daddy told him. And why he's in the garage, we get to see the big snowmaker in the background, man. That's what I call foreshadowing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the, that is the epitome of foreshadowing in this movie. They flat out tell you we're going to kill the blob this way if you pay attention. I, I love that part of the movie, and especially the first time I remember. I Watching as a child, it was different, but watching it later on in life, I was just like, oh, you can tell right here. They're just like, oh, I'm, we're freezing our beers in the snow machine. Like, this is the way it's going to happen. And then as soon as you see the blob the first time try to come in the cooler after Kevin Dillon and Shawnee Smith, and it backs off, you're like, oh, Snow Machine's going to kill it. But you don't care because it's the journey. It's not the movie. It's the journey in this case. So, Grizz, come on, man. Give me some more on this, man. I man. picked this movie. I love oh, this thank movie. You. Keep going, brother. No, go ahead. No, keep going, man. Clearly, you don't hear what I have to say. Man, why does... Oh, okay. <laughs> Can I finish? I love Can I finish? The, you told me to go ahead. I love the condom bit, man. The condom bit is always amazing. You see it, and... So then, good. Oh, it's so good, man. The like, pharmacist the dad. The pharmacist is the dad of the girl that, that the character is going to be dating that night, and 
the buddy goes up and bla- and says, I want some condoms. But they're not for me, they're for my friend. Right. So that's always amazing, man. And it happens in this movie. It's a great and gag. It's a, it's a great gag, dude. I love it. And man. when he goes to pick up awesome. the girl for the date later, and dad's like, ribbed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh, man, you want to... Oh, I guess you don't Go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Well, if you want to know what I liked about the film, I loved all the blob gags. Like, I just loved the places that the blob showed up, and those uh, ultimately led to the best kills. Um, Yes. You've got, um, I mean, let's just start with the guy who who is actually taking the girl out on a date, and uh, he's taking advantage of her, you know, the guy who bought the condoms, and and he goes back to his trunk, and his trunk is a full bar. And that's hilarious. Yes, yes. Hilarious. Let's talk about the quarterback. His, yeah, his trunk oh, is a full yes. bar. And he's got a box of class rings because he just gives them out indiscriminately to chicks. Uh, but then she passes Ladies and out. gentlemen, here's the lesson you need. Kids, here's the lesson you need to learn. If you get a girl drunk and she passes out, don't try to cop a feel. You will fucking die. Because <laughs> that's what happens, man. He's got the full bar in the back of the car. Yep. Pass, chick's passed out. He shoves his hand down his shirt to try to, gra- try to grab some boob. Blah. We're getting there. That's amazing, son. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, this, yes. is, a, this is a cautionary moral tale. It totally is. It ah, totally is. dude. So, yes, he, he sticks his hand down her blouse, and he does not find the delight that he's looking for. Ah, he finds the blob. Yes, and uh, this is uh, to me the kickstart of some great blob kills. So this is the first. Um, we go along, and um, there's the the blob in the sink. The sink, dude. A great blob kill. A great oh blob man, because everything's this business as usual. We're cleaning up the sink. We're cleaning up the borrow. You know, the, the right. sink always clogs up, and then. He takes the, they take the plunger to the sink. That's right. Yes, keep going. It's great. Um, we also have the cinema blob kill. The cinema blob was amazing. It was so good. I mean, they're so, all in the cinema match in. The projectionist who's up in the room, he gets hot, and he can't stand it, so he buzzes down. He's like, hey, man, turn the air on. The guy's like, the air is on. And so this the projectionist who... Two-thirds of this room have been projectionists at one point or another. We've been in that position. And it gets fucking hot in that room. Now, the fact that there's no air coming out of the vent, and the projectionist pulls the vent off, and he sticks his head in there, and blam, the blob eats the dude up. Not only does that, but the asshole sitting behind the kids in the theater who's making all the fucking comments. The kid says something to him. He's like, hey, man, why don't you shut up or whatever. And the blob picks him up and eats his ass. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Dude, when the guy comes upstairs, but before that, when the guy comes upstairs to check out the projectionist, and the projectionist is dead in the blob attached to the ceiling. That yeah. is amazing, oh, man. Oh, a great shot. He did. Oh. He did. Oh, man. So, those are, I mean, those are my favorite kills from the film. Dude, my favorite kill of this film was, hands down, the phone booth. The waitress who was given, who was told the sheriff she's off at 11, 
Johnny Drama comes in there with Shawnee Smith. Shit's going down. The blob eats the fucking dishwasher. She runs out. She knocks out the window, runs outside, hops in the phone booth to call the sheriff. The sheriff is alive at this point, as far as we know, because he's left to go meet his 11 p.m. date. She's in the fucking phone booth. The blob lands on top of the phone booth, starts with the acid, starts eating away at the phone booth, starts, consuming. starts consuming the phone booth, then comes in through the bottom. And as she looks out, Jeffrey DeMond, the sheriff, this carcass is inside the yeah. blob. Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. And I, 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 I'm so pumped up about this movie as we talk about it versus the host. I'm sorry. And the other movie because I love this movie. It has movie. a name. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie because of that. Because it's so 1980s, man. Like the government has constructed. Uh, experiments that led yes. to bio experiments yes. that led to the blob and they shot it into space in this craft this whatever that they've shot into space with this or bio organism on it has come back to earth and has started consuming people it's something that the united states government has constructed and that's awesome to me like it's not the steve mcqueen blob from the 80s with the fucking chocolate syrup and uh you know the but it has its merit, man. Like, there's so much it's more. It's very practical. Yes. Man, I see that look on your face. I love that look on your face. It yeah. lets me know I've done my job tonight. You. I know you. Man. It's, very, it's very practical, but at the same time, it's not cheesy. Dude, what about the... I, said, I put I agree. the projectionist on the ceiling. was cool. Dude... The thing that kills me is that they go down into the sewer. The chase goes down into the sewer. The blob chases Shawnee Smith, her little brother, and the friend who took the little brother to the horror slasher movie where they make fun of Friday the 13th into the fucking sewer. And the friend gets eaten by the blob. A little kid. A little kid gets fucking killed by the blob. And this is 1988. And they're just like, fuck it, we're going to kill a kid. Not like... Other movies we've talked about where they're like, ah, fuck it, we're going to kill babies. I'm talking about, like, seriously, like, 1988, out of nowhere, you didn't expect either one of those small children to be the victim. And they they made one of them a victim, which was awesome. So, and, and not that I'm saying that's awesome, but it really is because there was a standard that you had to follow in the 80s in those movies. Like, we talked about it with Return of the Living Dead. We've talked about it on other films. And this didn't follow that. It's like, we're going to eat a kid, and it's he's going to be a victim, and then you're going to have to deal with it. And Shawnee Smith and her character, they deal with it. Kevin Dillon comes back. Good. Glad, I, glad I watched it. Had a blast with it. Yes. Had, had, yeah. never, had never yeah. seen it. Absolutely. Like I said, I, I remember watching it about 25 years ago. And it, uh, it's, it's, it's held up. What about horror icon Bill Mosley coming back, man? Yeah. In this fucking suit with his head up, and he has a rocket launcher in his backpack, and Kevin Dillon's like, we're going to get out of here. And they're like, ah, fuck it, shut the sewers down. Kevin Dillon grabs the rocket launcher from Mosley. Kevin Dillon would never get away. Like, Johnny Drama versus Otis from the... Yeah, <laughs> from right, the Devil's yeah, Rejects. right. Like, like he would happen. never get away with this today. But <laughs> no. no, no, like, in 1988... Johnny Drama grabs the fucking the rocket launcher, 
from Bill Mosley and shoots the manhole cover, knocks the fucking thing off of it so they can get up. And then they have this awesome Mexican standoff. He's like, nah, we're leaving. Nah, we're leaving. And while they're doing that, the blob is literally picking off people and pulling them back into the sewer. And then what do we do? All out of nowhere, the guy that Kevin Dillon works at the garage with is like, let's get the snow machine back because it doesn't like cold. And then Shawnee Smith and Kevin Dillon work together. Well, separately, but together to freeze the blob and blow it up. And that's the blob. Until we get the evangelist preachers. Who is awesome. At the end of the movie, we got the preacher from the movie. With one eye now. Only one good eye. is out preaching. And he has the blob. The end of creation. Yep. The devil. Incarnate. In a jar. And he's preaching about it. And that's it. He's like, I know when the end of times will be. And it's because he's going to release the end of times upon the world. And you're like, damn, that's that's deep. For a 1988 movie starring Johnny Drama, that shit was deep. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that all throughout the movie, Drama, no, 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 that's Kevin Dillon's character, man. Like, he... In one night, he developed a relationship with Shawnee Smith. Like, she was dating the other guy, and I love the fact that they made Paul, the boyfriend, initially. They set him up to be the hero. And then they go to the hospital, and the blob eats Paul, like, right over, yeah. almost right away. Where's right, 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 right. And Shawnee Smith has to go ass, back, son. and she's... Shawnee Smith goes back, and she's like, oh, my God, I saw him eating... And they give her pills, because in the 80s, it was okay to give your kids pills to get them over shit. (laughs) And then they give Shawnee Smith pills, and then she's just like, oh, whatever. And she sneaks out. She takes her bug. She goes goes and meets drama, Kevin Dillon. She goes and meets Kevin Dillon, and then she's just, like, in love with him from there on. And that's what's the amazing part, because in the 80s, you could just fall in love with anybody anytime. And if you guys don't believe me, watch Footloose. Because shit happens like that in the 80s, man. That's how it fucking happens. Just man. that easy. Right on. But, no, I love the Blob 88, man. That was, uh, I, I, I suggested it for a reason. I've been talking about it nonstop. But, dude, it's one of those films that just gives me fucking tingles because I got to see it again and watch it again after watching it a few months ago or a month ago. And it was just like, oh, shit, this is what I want to do for this show because I wanted those of you who have not seen it to be able to experience the Chuck fucking Russell blah. And if you haven't seen the original, man, go get your shit out, man. Like, do the 1950s blah, man. Get your shit in there. Like, it's amazing, too, but I love the Chuck Russell aspect. Professor, you're an old black and white fan. What do you think? Uh, in terms of Just comparing what, to the original? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the future, I'll still watch the original myself. But I really enjoyed the remake. But what about the Steve McQueen ver the Steve McQueen version? What is it that attracts you to that so much more than the Johnny drama? Uh, just independent filmmaking. The original Blob basically launched you know careers and excitement. Exactly. Um, and it was something special. 
uh, whereas the other one is a lot of money and wanting to recreate the magic for a new generation, which I respect. Right. Um, and I will what, just what say... What year was the original? Do you know? It was 50-something, right? I'm not sure. Because it was McQueen. Yeah. And it was in the 50s. Yeah. I know that They much. still have a festival at the, the little community where they filmed it, and you can go run out of the theater with everybody like they did. In the oh, movie. we ought to do that, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Mid awesome. Midwest Monsters is going to start doing some fun shit, um, and you got to be a part of it. But I'll, my last comment, I will say, and I'm joking, kind of, I think literally anyone in the world could have been better than Kevin Dillon. I'm just going to say that. Oh, man, Turtle, you could have been in the blobs, he, son. He was rough, but it didn't matter. The, the motorcycle it was hood fun. with the heart of gold, he was like fucking, he was like Jason, no, not Jason. I don't Jason. know how the other he was like Luke have Perry to keep a straight from fucking 90210, man. But I, overall, I, I had a lot of fun. The motorcycle hood with the heart of gold. He was Luke Perry and shit from 90210. I, I'm kind of the winner here because I enjoyed both of your films more than the one I picked. So, Chris. It seems to happen. Enjoyed it. I, I mean, I'm just really glad. If you guys can see the look on Chris's face right now, he's just like, I enjoyed everything as long as we're done with this you don't judge show. Me. You don't judge me. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like I said, I, yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it in like 25 years. And so to get a chance to see it again, and I remember some of the scenes where they freeze it, and that's how they kill it, and it was very cool. Um, what do you think about being a preacher? What do you think about the preacher taking the fucking samples of the blob in the middle of the movie? Would you have done that? No. That's what I'm saying. That no. was kind of weird. He that, done. I thought that was weird. He done. Like, because the preacher goes in with no... He, he knows it's the end of times, or he feels it's the end of times coming, and he goes into this diner, and he starts collecting samples of the blob in a jar. Right. Would you have done that? No. What no. would you have done? I would just keep uh, doing what I'm doing right now. Just He's like, I would have drank liquor, and I would have talked to y'all about stupid shit. <laughs> Just saying the shit out of me. I'm just. Uh, Two of us are getting tired. <laughs> Y'all are real tired. We're I'm out. We're out. I'm uh, just saying I would not have done that. I'm just saying uh, I'm not looking for the end times. I'm trying to teach you how to live here good and happy now. I would have been shoving women and children out of the way trying to get <laughs> out there. Yeah. So, um, no, not doing that. So, I want to talk about final thoughts. We've talked about three movies tonight. Favorite movie of the three, why? Grizz. Mm. It's a tough call between the host and the blob. I like both of them for uh, different reasons. The blob just delivers. I just, the blob uh, on, delivers! On a, on a very basic American level, the blob delivers. Especially, we didn't make this point... Um, Making that motorcycle jump. Yeah! That motorcycle jump that was so difficult it wasn't going to happen, but when he needed to do it, he did it. And that's the American way. USA. <laughs> you turned USA, into the American dream, USA. Dusty Rhodes, right there, bro. Talking about the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, daddy. Talking about 287 pounds. pounds of blue eyed Thor. But let me tell you about the Plymouth Thun from Austin, Texas. <laughs> Come out of the gutter and he became so sweet. Oh, great. Oh, so, Professor. Uh, yeah. Professor. That's, that's Favorite? Give me your yeah. three Floyd's answer of what's going on. Yep. Your three Floyd's answer. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> I, if I had like to... It was a gumball head. It was amazing. Take Good one. one. Um, be the blob. Blob. Yeah. Right on. Of the three. Um, just merely because of the practical effects and kills. 
Yep. Right. I, I'm very yeah. well done. Enjoyed, uh, enjoyed things about the other two, more so the host than the keep, but right. if I had to keep one, okay, I'd keep the blob remake. If it came down to my selection between the three movies we watched for this particular episode, I'd take the blob every day, and it's not just because it was my pick. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. Totally, no, totally. I I love the blob. I like the I like the host. I love the blob. Um, I love Chuck Russell. He's proven time and time again. Uh, the cast was amazing, and as much as I hate to say it, Johnny Drama, but Shawnee Smith, like they all brought something to it, and mm-hmm. I knew them, and I knew this movie a lot more. I think had the key. Had I seen the keep and had a more had a more one-on-one basis with the keep before, I might have enjoyed it more. The host was one of those I saw when it came out, but had literally forgotten everything about it till I watched it again. But the blob was one, like I said, I watched and then watched again for this podcast, and still it holds up to me because I love the blob. Very good. Way to go, Kevin Dillon. Like, I give you that. Kevin Dillon, Shawnee Smith, man. Awesome. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Hey, Kevin, if you ever want to do the show, man, fucking call me, dude. Hey, buddy, we're talking about uh, Midwest Monsters on the Facebook. On the Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't yet, Facebook.com, Midwest Monsters, (laughs) Midwest Monsters, and Midwest Monsters. Midwest no, Monsters Midwest, Midwest Monsters slash Midwest Monsters. <laughs> Midwest Monsters. No, it's Midwest at Mon... Or Midwest, Midwest Mon... Mon... Mon, 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 also, Podcast we're on FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> you don't have to be lonely. You guys okay. are crazy. Very well. Hey, but Very anyway, good. get Can't a hold of us. Leave us a message on iTunes. Grizz, Grizz, tell them about iTunes. Even if I was dancing in the dark. What do you want me to tell them? iTunes. iTunes, it's Midwest Monsters. It, it, in the store if you search for podcasts. Tell us how much you like us or hate us because we yeah. want to hear it either way. We need ratings. We need, we need ratings, ratings man. Because if you guys don't rate us, it's ratings. like, what the fuck? Right. And so people are like, oh, who wants to listen to these idiots? They ain't got no ratings. It's mid. It's Twitter mid. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to understand, if we mid- don't have reviews, iTunes actually categorizes. Puts us in the. God damn it. <laughs> Categorizes, yeah, as punk bitches. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, who wants to listen to these idiots? And uh, that's what they say. So, that being said, I am one of your hosts. I am the Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Mad Chan and the police. <laughs> Professor Wagstaff. Oh, did y'all hear that? He did that with a belt. That's amazing. My dear friend, I encourage you to stay serious. Bye.